Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Hey, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I am back with another episode of Security in Color. I know I said I was going back on hiatus after our anniversary episode, but so much has gone down in the last week. I could not not like, you know, come back and give you the tea. (laughs) Besides, I really miss talking with you guys. Before we jump into today's episode, in case you missed it, Last week was the one-year anniversary of this platform, and as a huge thank you, I am giving away, I'm doing a giveaway (laughs) for two lucky winners, including some security and color merchandise and a one-to-one career consultation with me to help anyone looking to pivot or advance their career in the cyber or cloud security space. I have been doing one-to-one consultations on a part-time basis for some time. But I opened up, you know, some slots uh, for the rest of the year and two lucky winners get that for free as a really, really really big thank you for being a listener. Clearly, I've been away for too long because I don't know how to talk anymore. (laughs) So don't forget to sign up. I will put the link for the giveaway in our show notes. It's on our website and it it is linked on our social media platform, like on Twitter and on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. I also want to shout out our two new Patreons, Kanisha and Catherine. Welcome to the Security in Color Patreon community. I appreciate your support in my content so very, 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 very much. (laughs) And if you want to join our Patreon community and get access to things like merch and invite to our Discord group where I'm hosting some uh, study groups that are upcoming for people who are studying for different kinds of certifications from Security Plus to Cloud Plus to uh, CISSP, all of that. We have all of that going down in our Discord and much more if you just want to support us you know, just for existing, (laughs) you can do that too. And head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash security and color and join a community tier. I promise you will not regret it. And your support allows me to continue creating really great content consistently and with better quality. All right. All right. Let's, let's get down to the news because I have some tea for you. Okay. Today's episode features news regarding the recent major security incident that just went down on Twitter, a warning of what not to do when your device has a CVSS score of 10 out of 10, foreign entities trying to steal COVID intellectual property, and Zoom issues. Again, (laughs) let's jump into today's episode. Last week, Twitter went into lockdown as tons of high-profiled accounts were taken over in a coordinated cyber attack on the platform. The verified accounts of prominent users, such as former President Barack Obama, Elon Musk, Apple, and Uber, began tweeting identical links for users to send them cryptocurrency with the caveat that the accounts will send them back double their investment. And we, as we and those users now know, 
This wasn't an act of charity on the part of verified accounts, and the attackers managed to defraud people of more than $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. Now, I don't have 100% of the details because the Twitter internal investigation is still ongoing, but I can give you the details of what I do have. Now, their internal team has reported that hackers were able to compromise their internal system somehow and secure the credentials of an employee. This attack is thought to have initially started with some of their employees being hit with a targeted social engineering attack. And we talked about social engineering attack that can come in various forms before, right? People can call into a company, like if you were maybe a support person, right? Or people can blackmail you. You can get an email, of a, a, a sort of phishing attack, a wide variety of social engineering, and best believe that is happening at all major companies. Now, once the attackers got the credentials to the system, it allowed them to perform certain actions and gain access to confidential information. These certain actions included bypassing two-factor authentication, a security control that provides an extra layer of security to accounts. Now, I was on Twitter and initially everyone thought, okay, these accounts don't have multi-factor authentication um, enabled on the account. But as we started to see it unfold, and I'll talk about that in a little bit later, but as we start to see unfold, security professionals, and, and not even just security professionals, everyone on Twitter can say, okay, something is happening. It's not just a multi-factor authentication issue. <laughs> something else is going down. Now, at the moment, we know that they attempted to target 130 Twitter accounts and was able to successfully initiate a password reset for 45 of those accounts to send the tweets. They were also able to access a feature called Your Twitter Data. Now, this feature allows users to see a wide variety of information regarding their account, including your account history, your history of your data, um, activity, and to download all of your Twitter data, you know, just in case you want to see what does Twitter have on you. Now, the magnitude of this attack is still ongoing, but Forbes did report that the attackers could have very well made off with much more than $100,000 if it wasn't for the fact that the attacker's Bitcoin wallet wasn't immediately blocked and prevented from further activity by Coinbase. That was the wallet that they were instructing all the users on Twitter to send their Bitcoin to their Coinbase wallet. And it's really kind of crazy how it went down. I remember I was seeing it happen like live I follow Barack Obama's Twitter account, and when I had opened my app, he was the first person that popped up at the, the top of my Twitter feed. And I saw the tweet, you know, saying, hey, I want to help my community by giving you Bitcoin. Just send me some Bitcoin, and I'll double it. And I was like, what is that? What is going on? <laughs> and I was like, you know, like I saw it, and then I was like, okay, clearly his account got hacked. Like, that's crazy that they got Barack Obama's Twitter account. But then I follow a couple other people and I just kept seeing that same tweet pop up. And then I follow a good amount of security professionals and they too were seeing this and they were like, yo, something is going down. And there was a whole bunch of speculation about what it was. Is it multi-factor authentication? You know, who's behind this? What are they trying to do? And it really just speaks to like how easy, not easy, but really how scary things could have gotten, right? 
And, you know, it's easy for us to jump to the conclusion and say, oh, well, you should have done this. You should have had this enabled. You should have done that. And really, honestly and truly, and I'm going to say this in another segment, but humans are our weakest link and they are the ones who need the most attention when it comes to security. We tend to always focus on the technical controls, which is just as important, but humans really are a there is such a need to improve our security awareness posture across every industry, okay? Every industry in terms of adequately giving our employees the knowledge they need to do their job well and efficiently, but also securely, right? Because that's the reason why I have this platform because I do not think security is just for security professionals. It's for everyone because stuff like this happens to everybody. Nobody is safe, right? Nobody is 100% secure. Nobody, you know, we're all in some ways or, you know, there's a wide variety of experts out there, but even the experts get got, right? Everyone is a target or can be a target at any time. And it really is up to the community to help others and to help ourselves and to help other departments and to really kind of change the culture of what we have been and not hold the keys to the kingdom anymore and really kind of take a look and assess at where we are as a culture. Okay, I'm going to go off on it. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I don't know how I got here, but it really is easy to kind of point the finger at what Twitter coulda, woulda, coulda, shoulda have done, right? All I know is that that security team, incident response team, DFIR team had a really rough week last week. And I really, really, really do hope that they are able to, I don't know about get a break, but (laughs) I really have my prayers up for them because that is a rough security incident to go through. But as I get more information, I will update you later on. In an example of what not to do when your company's devices fall into a category with a severity score of 10, there are about 8,000 current users of a certain networking device that are vulnerable to the internet and can possibly be exploited at any given time, despite a patch and alert being issued by the U.S. Cyber Command over two weeks ago. Let me break it down for you. So first, a CVSS score, also known as the Common Vulnerability Scoring System, is a free and open industry standard that assesses the severity of a vulnerability against a computer system. Now, the standard does this by taking into consideration a variety of factors. For example, how easy is it for an attacker to exploit this vulnerability and is a way for organizations to properly assess and prioritize their vulnerability management process. The scoring system ranges from 0 to 10, 10 being the most severe, Meaning if these devices has this vulnerability, organizations should be making this the highest priority and patching it ASAP. The devices in question are F5 networking devices that offer built-in security, traffic management, and performance application services for private data centers or in the cloud. The patch for this vulnerability was issued at the end of June, and as of this episode recording, almost 8,500 devices are found to not be patched and exposed to the internet. 
Now, having a CVSS score of 10 with a very easy exploitation rating and not patching is honestly unacceptable, unacceptable and very negligent. Attackers are always actively mass scanning for devices that are vulnerable. And in this case, they are actively like in the wild, you can go on Shodan and see it, that they're scanning for these type of devices to take over. And, you know, organizations are willing, like willingly leaving themselves open to an attack when they, you know, don't implement or enforce the SLAs they have for high priority patches when they become available. Your SLAs for high priorities really should be what, 24 hours. Honestly, I think that's too long. Most companies do something about eight to, but 24 is maybe like the maximum, right? Especially if it's a company that has short on resources, uh, they might have to do a whole bunch of different testing, X, Y, Z. Like it, it, by all means, it takes time to do um, vulnerabil- adequate vulnerability patching and testing. But that's where automation plays a part. That's where having a really good process plays a part and testing that process, right? A lot of people put these processes in place, but they don't really test them when it comes down to having to patch something, right? It might be a company that is not used to maybe having um, devices that they have to patch on an emergency, right? But they do have an emergency contingency plan just in case something happens. But if you haven't deployed that or if you haven't practiced that, when it does come up, you might get stuck. You might miss your SLAs. And really, as we, you probably have seen before, but there's something out there, it takes an attacker less than an hour to kind of scan and attack your network the minute you're on the internet, right? The minute you're on the internet, I think it's even less than that. I think if, if I'm not mistaken, it's down to like 10 minutes or so. Don't quote me. But I say all this to say is that SLAs are super important when it comes to vulnerability patching and management, right? You want to be able to make sure you're keeping your security posture up to date always because attackers are looking for you to slip up. They're looking for a way in and keeping, especially if this has been out for two weeks now, keeping yourself unpatched, 8,500 devices unpatched two weeks after a 10 scored CVSS is crazy. It's, it's, and I know we're in a, p- a pandemic, you know, there's a variety of factors. I don't know if it's harder for people to access, you know, their network or if they're still trying to figure out how do they implement um, contingency and patch management SLAs when people are working from home or accessing from home. But it really does kind of put into, calls into question the current static nature of security processes that we have and how adaptable and flexible we as an industry must become in order to stay ahead of threats. Bitcoin isn't the only thing attackers are going after lately. According to an alert from three different nations, including the Department of Homeland Security and Canada's Communications Security Establishment, an advanced hacker known as APT29 is trying really, really hard to steal COVID-19 vaccine research from academic and pharmaceutical research institutions in various countries around the world. In a lengthy 14-page advisory, the attacks being used include custom malware for data exfiltration and outlines the high confidence these agencies have that the attacker's intention is to steal this intellectual property. 
Now, this specific custom malware has only been seen starting this past April, but as we have reported before, attacks taking advantage of the pandemic has been happening all year. From phishing attempts, you know, looking to take advantage of misinformation, to fake pages being created to accept donations, it is to be expected that attackers would target companies creating a highly patented and really coveted vaccine. The advisory specifically names threat actors in Russia, Iran, and China, stating that these countries are looking to steal this information to get their countries ahead of who will have a vaccine first. The threat actors are using common methods, such as basic vulnerability scanning against external-facing IP addresses to find a vulnerability, as we just talked about in our last segment, and social engineering attempts, which we, are, we already know kind of prevails here, um, both of which, if not carefully you know, taken care of, can definitely allow a hacker to succeed. Now, no institution in the U.S. has been breached and more information will come as more attacks are being seen in the wild. I knew I wouldn't be able to go long without speaking about this company, but Zoom recently disclosed a bug in their customizable URL feature that has had the potential for an attacker to pose as a company employee and conduct social engineering attacks to extract sensitive information from users, customers, or partners. Now, the bug was disclosed by Zoom and Checkpoint last Thursday and outlined how their vanity URL feature, which allows you to set up your own Zoom domain, can be exploited. Now, a Zoom domain is a feature in which the URL mimics your company branding. So, for example, I own securityincolor.com. If I wanted to brand my Zoom account the same as my domain name, I would make it securityincolor.zoom.us. I could add my own logo and branding page, unifying this service with my company branding. Now, URLs that have subdomains are already pretty tricky for users to discern, especially if the naming convention is long. And this feature for Zoom really adds to the complications by allowing an attacker to register a subdomain of their choice and use it to pose as my company or their target company. And to combat this kind of attack, it is imperative. We, I, <laughs> I'm like a broken record this episode. It is imperative that organizations are including Zoom attacks in their security awareness training. Security awareness training should be updated to reflect the times that we're in, right? So everyone's at home. Um, there's a pandemic. Everyone's remote. We're having to access things from different networks. Your security awareness training this year um, if you haven't done it already, should definitely include things like Zoom attacks, any kind of attacks that are um, kind of out there. You should be doing, as a security professional or otherwise, research on, you know, what what kind of threats should I be expecting when I'm at home and my network is now expanded past my company, right? What, how am I a liability? It's kind of hard for users to do that, right? Because they don't know what they're expecting. But as a security professional, I highly recommend using things like this as a way to build content for your security awareness program and to make people more engaged. I've been asked questions before about like, how do I get my audience more engaged when I'm doing security awareness newsletters, right? What kind of content should I be adding? And things like this should be on your list, right? 
if there is an active Zoom attack happening or if you know that there's a particular service that attackers are maybe going after. So for example, um, Outlook, right? Or Google Docs, you know, that has been an attack vector um, this year where people were trying to, or even previous years, there was that one big time where there was a Google Doc going around and it was shutting people down and it was downloading all kinds of things and doing a lot of malicious um, intent, it had a, a malicious intent, you know, those are things you should be including for your users so that way they know, hey, let me be a little bit more careful as I'm clicking these Zoom links because we are all Zoom fatigued. I know I am Zoomed out. <laughs> like, I'm tired of Zoom. I'm, I'm, tired, I'm tired of the invitations. And so are other users. But if I'm tired and I'm not paying attention because unfortunately I have to do my job, you know, I'm active in a lot of different things. I have to do these Zoom things. If users have to do them, they're probably just clicking without really paying attention. Um, as we know, when it comes to like phishing stuff and that's what attackers are looking for. They're looking for people to slip up. So kind of giving them a heads up like, hey, if you're getting a Zoom account or here are the list of our, as a company, here's a list of our domain URLs for this particular service or maybe create a knowledge base that has that information that they can be directed to. So that way, if they do get a link, they can verify or maybe they could just ask someone in the security team like, hey, is this a legitimate link? That's something we encouraged at one of my previous companies when we were trying to do a lot of our security awareness programs was just really about giving us visibility, right? As security professionals and security teams, we want visibility into everything because if we can't see what's happening, there's no way we'll be able to protect something, right? You want to be able to see inside your network what's happening inside your environment, no matter where you are, right? Whether or not you're on-premise or if you're off. So with that being said, we always encouraged our users, hey, if you see something, no matter how small it is, send it to us, right? We'll do an investigation. It'll take us five minutes. It might take us two seconds. Regardless of how much time it takes, we want to be able to see it. We want to know what's happening. We want to know what kind of threats are coming our way so that way we can be prepared. Maybe we need to, um, like if there's a certain, we notice there's a certain phishing campaign that's always being sent to this finance person, you know, one uh, a member of our finance team, we might want to do um, kind of like a specialized training for them. Like, hey, this is what we notice that's going on. Um, here's what you should be looking out for. Or maybe for another team, your HR department, whatever department it is, make sure you're tailoring your security awareness towards them and including really things that are happening in the news. So that's why listening to things like security in color <laughs> or, you know, just kind of Googling or researching a lot about security news really does help. And not only for you as a professional to grow, but for your everyday job, right? It gives you content. It gives you something to talk about and it really engages your users. So that way you're building your security culture in the way that you would like to be and more engaging. <laughs> so that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for checking in with me. And I hope you continue to listen to Security in Color for your one-stop shop for cybersecurity news. I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. Please consider leaving a rating or comment in Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to our website at www.securityincolor.com. Be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.